Hello, and welcome to On Meaning. I'm Eugene Leventhal. Today I want to cover the background of why I'm doing this podcast in the first place. And honestly, this has been by far the hardest episode for me to create, uh, which is probably why I've been procrastinating it the most. But before getting into the actual episode of my journey, and again, what led me to really think about this a lot and eventually, you know, create this podcast and try to build this community... I do want to mention that this episode is going to touch on topics such as persistent depression, uh, suicidal ideation. So if you're not in the mood for that, you may want to skip this one. So as a quick overview, I'm going to talk about my life to give some context as to why I decided to go on this journey. I'll get into my own dealings with depression, getting into a career that probably wasn't the best one for me, uh, struggling to figure out a balance of world and personal life that gave me joy, struggling to figure out a balance of work, you know, sort of ambition and and career desires, balancing all of that with personal life uh, and what sort of actually was giving me joy and more broadly struggling to find joy in life. But that's just the first part, as all of that led me to start more intentionally figuring out what actually brought me joy, fulfillment, meaning, all of these sort of terms around well-being that we'll unpack through this podcast. So almost six years ago, the summer of 2015 was what I see as my personal low, uh, which I'll add a little more color to in a bit. But I'm glad to say that six years removed from that point, I know I'm doing much better than I was. At the same time, I'm not going to pretend as though I don't still deal with depression regularly in at least some capacity. I've just committed to the journey of playing around with what makes me feel most fulfilled and what makes me feel as though there's some point to this life of mine. And also a big part of it has also been reframing my depression and anxiety as a starting point for this exploration of what do I really want to get out of life? What is the meaning, the purpose, etc.? Basically, just trying to get to a point where a lot of these negative or these things that can have heavily negative components, such as my depression, my anxiety, how can I repurpose those? How can I use that negative energy to turn into something positive, even if it never fully goes away? And that's its own My relationship with my depression is its own complicated thing, and we can dig into that more over time if that's of interest for people. So one last thing I want to just cover before getting into my background of why I'm doing this, I also think it's really important to mention that I recognize the inherent privilege in going on this journey in the first place. I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I've been able to explore these questions, to explore my depression, my well-being, and, you know, recognizing that privilege has been its own weird thing because my own struggle with, oh, well, I feel depressed, but things aren't as bad as they are for other people, so do I, should I feel bad about feeling bad in the first place or not feeling right in the first place? So that's its own <laughs> separate fun uh, emotional loop and rabbit hole. But I am very lucky to have the space to fully explore my depression, as mentioned, and to try and understand what I'm trying to accomplish in the limited time that I have on this planet. Unfortunately, not everyone has the opportunity to explore these questions. Over time, I do want to have episodes that touch on development and hierarchies of needs, such as Maslow's hierarchy, which is probably the best known one. 
and how they inform how people might be limited in the types of meaning that they can explore when those individuals are just constrained by circumstance. You know, when you, when you just have pressing issues to deal with persistently that are much closer to, to life or death than, you know, the kind of decisions a lot of folks such as, as of myself are making on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, when you're in that environment, it's hard to find the time and luxury to get to think through these things. So I, again, I do just really want to mention that and recognize that I am in this fortunate position. And that's partially why I want to try and share this journey in the hope that others can find it a bit easier to get started on their own journeys of meaning and overall well-being and fulfillment in life. All right, so let's get into this quasi-therapeutic session. I'm not going to turn this into an autobiography. The goal of me sharing this is not for me to just talk about myself, but more to talk about certain ideas or concepts as a result of that. So for this episode, I'm giving what I see as the bare bones of personal information just to make my journey make a little more sense. So I was born in good old Soviet Russia. Uh, my family moved to the States when I was a, a kid. I was very young still, um, infant toddler age. And so you know, for all intents and purposes, I very much sound American uh, in my interactions. You know, culturally, I very much identify American, though I obviously do have certain components that are very linked to, you know, the, the Russian Jewish community that immigrated here. And specifically, I grew up in the New York area. So that's another, you know, geographic constraint, because even, you know, uh, if you think of a single diaspora, a single, you know, group internationally, of course, they share that identity, but at the same time, there are always, you know, uh, the potential for local quirks as well. So when thinking of the kind of narratives that I was being brought up into, you know, being raised in, in the United States in the late 80s, early 90s, mostly through the 90s, I was born in, in 88. You know, that was a very interesting time of prosperity. What was it Francis Fukuyama's the, the end of history, the beginning of the tech dot-com bubble, the end of the, you know, collapse of the Soviet Union, end of the Cold War, the war on terror hadn't taken off yet. So the 90s were a very interesting decade. And I do want to do a separate exploration of the 90s and the positive psychology movement and try to unpack some things there. But anyway, I'm already getting off on a tangent. So on a more personal side... I mean, I, I've always been a very sensitive kid. <laughs> that that part is, is very apparent to anyone who, who knew me through my development years. I, I did not deal with change well. I did not deal with new ideas, new circumstances. I was always very resistant to trying new things. Yes, change would scare me very much. And I, I would do all that I can to fight against it. And, you know, some examples were, you know, I, on the one hand, I have a very social side to myself where I would love making new friends, hanging out with kids my age. But then at the same time, you know, they would invite me over for sleepovers. And I even remember one instance where there was an apartment building across the street from the building where we were living in. And I went to sleep over a friend's place and I could literally see my family's, the, the window into our apartment, right? It's not as though I'm, you know, miles away in unknown lands. I'm literally across the street. And when we were transitioning from hanging out to bedtime after, I believe it was a Beavis and Butthead binge. I don't even know. But um, as we were transitioning to sleep and my anxiety no longer had its distractions, yeah, I, I immediately freaked out. And within 20, 30 minutes, it got to the point where the kid I was staying with had to get his mom involved and they had to call my parents to, to come grab me at like one or two in the morning or something silly. 
But yeah, and I, again, another point where I was very lucky is that despite this inherent sensitivity in myself, you know, my mom was a therapist who is a very good therapist. Uh, my sister eventually ended up switching into therapy from her initial career path. So there was a lot of intention around adding therapeutic concepts into our general life and discussions. Nonetheless, and I, I do think my mom's intentional actions on that side, you know, helped uh, you know, change me from the kid that I, I, for the first time I was ever able to sleep over a friend's house without freaking out was around 13, 14. You know, by the time I was an undergrad, I was comfortably going abroad. And then after college, I moved abroad. And yeah, so this, I, I tremendously credit my family for providing that kind of foundation. But nonetheless, I remember this one clip from Scrubs that tremendously resonated with me. And that was the first time that I very clearly remember thinking, hey, am I depressed, but I'm not really acknowledging it and I'm just always distracting myself from it? But at that time, I definitely just kept distracting. <laughs> but here's the clip real quick. Because nothing sucks more than feeling all alone. No matter how many people are around. While on the one hand, it was a, a kind of a, a stark realization. On the other hand, I mean, my general behavior around that time and for the subsequent couple of years, I was just focused on, you know, get done what I have to get done to meet the social expectations of myself from a, you know, education career, setting myself up for a career perspective. But yeah, my main driving factor was experience and fun. Uh, all I really cared about was hanging out with people, doing cool things, trying stuff. Uh, and just having fun as much as possible. But anyway, I realize I, I'm getting slightly ahead of myself, at least in one concept, because prior to already getting to college and all of that, you know, another important thing, especially for folks who are more on the highly sensitive side of things, the culture that I was raised in, the Russian Jewish immigrant community in the tri-state area specifically, and of course, parts of this apply beyond that geography, but again, that's just where I specifically was. There was a pretty big norm at that time, especially given that, you know, our parents, the parents of my generation of the, uh, of the folks who had immigrated to the U.S., from that part of the world, you know, they came from the Soviet Union. That was a very different world where, you know, ownership and private property were very different. You know, going to a store and having shelves empty was not uncommon or shocking. And yeah, just so many other elements of not being able to be more in control of your life so that when they came here, there was a strong push for, look, kid, I don't care what your interests are as much as you need financial security because that financial security is the foundation of whatever your interests are, whatever you wanna you know, uh, turn your life into, accomplish, whatever. So for me, the big discussions when it started thinking, when as a family we started talking about, oh, what career should I pursue or whatever, there was this sort of triumvirate of, you're going into finance, medicine, or law. And given at that time, I did not develop the love of learning that I currently have, the idea of needing to go back to more school for either med school particularly sounded horrifying given the, you know, if you wanna specialize in certain things, it's even more schooling on top of the, the initial extra degree um, where law was the, you know, the extra three years at least. But yeah, both of those immediately turned me off. We had other folks in our circle who had kids my age roughly going into finance. So that seemed like a quote unquote logical conclusion. So yeah, I did study, I, you know, I applied to an undergrad business school and studied finance. Uh, I did double major in psychology 
But looking back on it now, I realized there was a very interesting point around the end of sophomore year in undergrad where I kind of started getting the inkling of, hey, maybe finance is not the thing I want to be doing. Uh, and especially with my psych major, I was specifically focusing on neuroscience courses and just the brain and development and all those things were just fascinating to me. But between, you know, again, unpacking this to some degree can quickly devolve into, you know, being a moot discussion that is speculation uh, without being grounded in reality. But at least at a high level, I see looking back that at that time, you know, still having the sensitive core that I had, having in my immediate culture and community, the expectation being that I'm going to, you know, go into finance, have a, a clear, well-paying job. And just the fact that I, I, I did rely on other people's approval a fair amount, you know, I, I really wanted to switch into neuroscience, but then, and no one was stopping me from doing that, but I needed the courage to pursue what was deviating from the expectations of me. And I chose to not do that. I chose to stick in finance. I had seven years of experience around the financial, or uh, around doing, you know, I worked at a recruiting company, a staffing consulting company, mostly focusing on financial services across those seven years. But it took me seven years to kind of just admit to myself of this is not, I'm, I'm heading somewhere where I don't wanna be. And I'm not 100% sure where, where the alternative is. But I know I'm a ton more depressed. Um, I had the chance to move abroad, move back to New York. But it was really by that summer of 2015, so about five-ish years into my career after undergrad, that it really hit this tipping point where, I mean, I got to a point where I was dealing with suicidal ideation on a daily basis for about three months. And I also have some chronic health issues around um, gut, uh, gut and stomach kind of health and I don't want to bore you with that, but long story short, it for someone with both depression and uh, GI issues and gut issues, it's always very easy to find a way to to kind of just give into the depression and pretend it's all a stomach issue, and no one's really going to call you out because you know. Think back to the last time you had food poisoning. Think about how crappy you felt, right? And people, I feel like uh, at least rarely called me out on you know, hey, I, I know you're saying this, but is there anything else going on? Because I absolutely did use my, th that sort of intersection of the depression and my gut issues as a crutch of sorts, where for work, for school, for family, for, for any, for friends, I mean, any time where just internally things flared up to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna go ahead and revert back to my turtle shell and just do, you know, be alone for as long as I, I feel like being alone. I always had that easy excuse. You know, on the one hand, solitude is important, right? Intentionally choosing to be alone, to have some time to think, to work on personal projects, to just decompress, whatever, that is very healthy. But I see how, you know, around that time, uh, around the summer of 2015, I was kind of committing to loneliness because I, I had decided that, hey, I so fundamentally don't like who I am, don't like where I'm headed, don't like my community, don't like where I'm physically living. I had so many variables that I wasn't happy with, but I was also in the position where I'm like, well, I, I can change these things. No one's forcing me to work in this corporate job. No one's forcing me to live in New York. No one's forcing me to do any of the things that I was doing at that point. So I remember this very specific night in the summer of 2015. I, I wish I had actually recorded the date somewhere. I'm sure I have it somewhere, but... um. 
I believe it was somewhere in the August timeline. I remember it was it was night. It was a rainy night. I know I've been wanting to do a whole separate thing just on this night and the and the thinking that night, but this episode is already tough enough. So we'll, we'll keep it a little high level for today. But long story short, it came down to I had to kind of directly call myself out and say, you know, what what the fuck am I doing? Where where am I actually headed? What is the realistic result of this loop that I'm caught in? And if I'm not happy with that, how do I start changing that loop? Because I realized that, you know, the the preceding three months up until this night, I was waking up every day in an absolutely physically and emotionally shattered state, barely going through the motions of work and coming home, giving into a cannabis addiction and just, you know, numbing myself until I passed out and went to do it all over again. So in that night, in that fateful August night, when I was sitting there, having this discussion with myself internally. I, not that that really matters. Um, I feel like, you know, the, the life is absurd already. So once you get to these wonderful point, you know, quote unquote, wonderful points of your personal life journey, I mean, the absurdity is just through the roof of everything. But anyway, I, I don't want to demean this, just my, my natural way of my, my personal, I don't even want to say compensation, but the way I deal with the uncomfortable things, I try to joke about them. That, that does make me feel much more comfortable. But um, yeah, I, so I, I pretty much just to try to bring it down to a specific decision point because I saw if just following my train of thinking, I was not getting anywhere. It was just stuck in that very vicious loop. And so the thought that came to mind was, let's bring this down to a binary decision, something with just two points. I know I'm not happy with where I'm at not happy with where I was working, what I was occupying my intellectual space with, my friend space with, uh, in the general social space with. I wasn't happy with the family member that I was being to others. I wasn't happy, yeah, wasn't happy with a lot in my life at that moment. Nor was I really actively and mindfully grateful of the things that I did have. So at that point, the decision for me kind of broke into either I need to learn how to be grateful for what I have and, you know, just focus on being happy with where I'm at because it's not a bad place to be. Uh, objectively, in the grand scheme of humanity, there was a ton of opportunity and privilege. And yeah, even though, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a household that had, you know, unlimited resources, but just from what I did get to experience and the ways I got to grow, that already was a tremendous amount of privilege in terms of dealing with these kinds of emotions and things that I was dealing with. So I could definitely at that point in time have decided, you know what, I am just going to focus on contentment and, you know, let's just commit to a life in New York or the surrounding areas forever. And, you know, I do eventually want to have a family and settle down in the more traditional sense. So, so you know, I, I could just commit to that path. But I knew that for whatever reason, that path seemed horrifying to me. It seemed just like giving up without ever trying something else. And at that point, I was still in my late 20s and very much felt that, you know, that's one side is the learn contentment, gratitude, and let that lead to fulfillment. Even though I wasn't using that exact language, but that, that was roughly the line of thinking. The other thought, however, was, well, if I know that option, I don't like. The only other option is to start realizing the things that I think I want and to will them into reality and make them a thing, right? You know, of course, you know, part of my internal fantasizing was, you know, oh, maybe one day I could be an author, I could be a this or I could be a that. 
It's like, well, what am I doing to support those things? I've never taken a writing course or done much writing beyond the one I had to take in undergrad or high school or whatever. You know, I never committed to just any of the things that I had internally spent a decent amount of time thinking about. And so I, after that night, I, I really tried to commit to the latter. And for me, that specifically, that involved recognizing that I don't know where I want to be. I just know it's not here. I know within me there are certain things that I want to do but I haven't been doing. Let's start by following those things. So one of the things was just volunteering. I wanted to, to give back. Uh, I started going through different New York Cares events. I realized just the kind of person I am, I would rather try to build something and make something. So I, I organized some different volunteering events and I ended up working with uh, UCB, the improv school, also taking classes there or whatever. I helped them build out a volunteering program. I joined two nonprofits in, in kind of an advisory capacity. I separately started working on creativity and thinking of, hey, maybe I should commit to writing regularly. Maybe if I'm lucky enough to be in New York and to have $400 that I can afford to spend on a course, uh, maybe I should just take a proper writing course. Um, you know, maybe I should spend on the side where I was thinking of, hey, I'm not learning enough or I'm not pushing myself intellectually. What was stopping me from, you know, watching YouTube videos on learning new skills or reading more books or, you know, looking at new industries and uh, thinking about how technology and humanity are working together towards changing the world and how much of that is intentional versus non-intentional. But that, I, I feel like, was the beginning of me starting to commit to this journey. But it was, I mean, it still is something that's difficult, right? When you wake up and you're just not in a great place, it is not always easy to keep yourself on track, on plan. But what I feel like I'm getting a lot better at is being able to create that personal safety net for myself. And really trying to find ways to know that like, hey, I know the ways that I am most likely to get derailed from my own vision of my life. So if I've gotten derailed enough to know what the high probability points of derailment are, why don't I try to do something to put in personal safety nets in those places? I realize that sounds really vague. I mean, that can be something, I don't want to say as simple because it's not simple to actually get this trained feedback loop. But I have this thing now where when I catch myself in a certain type of negative thinking that I hear internally about just how big of a piece of shit I am and how everything sucks and, you know, just this hyper negative voice internally, hypercritical, hyper negative, nothing positive or constructive to say, really. But whenever I hear that voice in my head, I literally visualize like the dog version of myself. It's a weird image, but like the dog version of myself is pretty much me with a dog like snout that sticks out. And I just like hit myself on the tip of the nose being like, bad Eugene, bad Eugene, bad Eugene. And when my mind wanders to the thoughts, I bring it back to that point. I know meditation has also been tremendously helpful, whether it's, you know, the silence, uh, bringing it back to just breathing and trying to find comfort in silence. But when things are, uh, are really already starting to go off the tracks in terms of depression and anxiety, at that point, it's more of trying to bring it to the state, the point of least pain or least discomfort. And, you know, it's taken a long time in dealing with my persistent depression to just recognize that I might always be depressed or, you know, I, I don't know if I get to fully, hopefully I will, but I, I, history has yet to show me in the context of my life that there is a time where I am just not depressed in any kind of way, shape or form indefinitely. Like there have always been some kind of elements of that 
heaviness that pulled me in that direction no matter how well things were going. And so, yeah, I mean, now, you know, part of why I'm doing this podcast is, and I've been trying to since kind of that summer, I've been trying to put together some writing or whatever related to that, but it's been really hard for me. So I'm excited for this to be the first version of this that I do release. And again, I don't want to bore with too many more specifics about my life because this is already going longer than I had intended. But I do just want to mention that another important factor, especially last year during the COVID pandemic already, in addition to the pandemic itself, was getting Lyme disease uh, and just having that physical and mental just crumbling from a health perspective was also just very powerful to be a motivating factor for change as I was coming out of dealing with Lyme. Uh, and I was very fortunate that I caught it early. I, I, I mean, my body was just <laughs> shut down within like two weeks of me getting the bite. And so that's just another point of, you know, that was another reminder of how these things that feel and in a lot of ways are or can be very negative, that they can end up inspiring a lot of positivity, right? That doesn't make it any less unfortunate or unpleasant when you're going through those negative things, but at the tail end of the negativity could be something positive. And so recognizing that it's it's getting close, it's getting to the point where I should probably just wrap this up. I do just wanna kind of rattle off a few things I've written in relation to this. So I think that there is no inherent meaning in life, that we are lucky that we get to create what, our, what the meaning of our life is. We are able to find meaning in situations, but we're also able to think of, well, what do I want the meaning of my life to be? And how can I bring my behaviors, values, actions closer to that point? You know, I'm doing this podcast because I do wanna try to contribute in my own way to the normalization of mental health. We all hurt. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We should find ways to be more supportive and to help each other. I want to help people deal with their pain and their suffering so that we can all be better participants in co-developing our future. I want to solve interesting problems at work as part of my career, as part of what actually helps pay the bills, and hopefully doing that in a way that it allows me to run the community that I want, to run the experimentation and creation that I want to try to. I want to have a community of people with whom I I can share goals, joys, and pains, and we can all learn from each other. I wanna appreciate myself, mind and body, and to be okay with my flaws, something that has never been easy, and to be comfortable with working through my biggest fears, one of which is vulnerability. And again, sharing this has been really uncomfortable, but it's something that I am, I am trying to embrace and live more. I wanna spend more time in nature and to really try to better understand my impact on the planet and to try to minimize any negative aspects of that. And finally, I want to try and create what I can. And I'm that is still an evolving thing. And I'm sure it's a it's a journey of its own right. But that's also part of why I'm doing this and why I'm so excited to get to embark on this journey and to learn as much as possible and meet as many great folks. So yeah, thank you for taking the time to join today. Feel free to reach out on meaningpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com for email, or that's the handle on social media. I am thinking of a way to try to get listener input, especially around more, just having more voices speak around mental health. 
I know there's, you know, there's Beautiful Anonymous. There's um, Rumble Strip, I believe, was the podcast that had a really interesting series around COVID and how people were dealing with it. But yeah, if you are interested in hearing about anything specific and potentially sharing, whatever it might be, or just connecting, right, uh, please feel free to reach out. Thanks and be well.